my name is Jonathan Shane, uh, also known as the Keto Road. I am a functional nutritional therapist and a USA Track and Field certified coach. Um, I'm an ultra runner. I'm an entrepreneur. I own a coaching company called Keto Road LLC, and I own a supplement company called Performance Gains LLC, Nutrition LLC. So that's what I do. That's what I own. That's who I am. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm from Houston. I'm actually technically from Kentucky. I just moved. I'm 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 gonna get it figured out. We're in Kentucky now. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a cool place. Like I've been to Tennessee and Texas a few times. I've actually never been up to Kentucky, but it seems beautiful from the photos that I've seen. Oh yeah, it re- yeah. There's no part of Kentucky that's not pretty to me. Um, different parts are pretty for different reasons. Like you know, between Louisville and Lexington, there is um, there's like a lot of like the rolling hills and the horse land. A lot of horses out there, and then over by me, south of Louisville going towards Nashville, you get some mountain ranges. And then if you go east, southeast of Lexington, you get closer to the Appalachians and then you get like crazy mountain ranges. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. I love living out here. It's, it's given, it gives me everything I need for both my running career and my businesses and just everything. It's great. Nice, man. That's awesome. So how did you actually get into to running, ultra running, and then just diet nutrition? Yeah, man. So, okay. So diet nutrition first, cause that I've been in that a lot longer. So, um, well I start. I was extremely overweight when I was a kid, when I was 14 years old as an emotional eater, I got up to 260 pounds at 14. So very heavy, very young. I didn't work out at that point. Right. So this is mostly, mostly fat. I had a 50 inch waist. I was a very large kid, uh, had a cholesterol of like 380. I think it was obnoxiously high. Obviously, um, you know, if you're in the low carb, Space, uh, you know, lean mass hyper responders and all that terminology, but this wasn't that. This was like hot and spicy chickens from McDonald's high cholesterol, which is like <laughs> not good. Um, and uh, so I started to lose weight, and that got me super fascinated. Typical bro science stuff, you know, remove fat, eat a lot of protein, get carbs when you need it, um, work out a lot, move a lot. Um, and I lost a bunch of weight, but I honestly did it in a very unhealthy way. Ended up developing bulimia along the way. Um, and struggled with that for quite a few years. But uh, as far as like the nutrition, like I was always obsessed with it. Um, it kind of evolved, you know, I got into personal training, I wanted to study kinesiology in college, um, you know, so it kind of evolved from there. And then when I was kind of fast forward to I was 23, I was 23. And I, that's when I fell upon the ketogenic diet it was in 2017. And um, I got really into it and I really loved it. And it made me super fast. It made me more fascinated with the nuances than I'd ever been before. Um, so I started diving deep into that, did a bodybuilding show on keto, went all in on it, super strict keto, um, all that jazz. Um, and then in the fall of 2018, I started coaching as a keto coach, right? No certs or anything. I was just kind of like, hey, I've been studying nutrition for like a decade now. You know, I've lost over a hundred pounds. I've lost 50 pounds, like five times. I know how to lose weight. Uh, I'm at the point now where I understand nutrition and the value of like, you know, animal fats and proteins. And I understand all that now. So I want to help other people do that. So I started coaching that. And then I just, I don't know, I really want to step into even more nuance. And so um, I went to the NTA, which is Nutritional Therapy Association. I got my functional nutritional certification. Um, and that kind of made me specialize and step into what I specialize in now, which is metabolic health with a focus in women's hormones. I got super obsessed with like mitochondrial function, mitochondrial fitness, um, how that relates in terms of your endocrine system, your gut, um, overall uh, metabolic health, your ability to maintain a healthy weight, a healthy body fat, uh, retain muscle mass, all that stuff. Um, basically what I do with my coaching company is, is all of that. Um, and, uh, that's kind of how my, my nutrition journey evolved. Um, as far as the running. So I was doing the ketogenic bodybuilding, like I said, in like 2018. And then I was super obsessed with that until about 2020, 2020, I was actually prepping for a show and COVID happened. The lockdowns happened. I remember like the gym closing and me, like I would wake up every morning and check my email to see if my show got canceled. And like, and like, eventually it did. I, I opened up my email and it said it was canceled. And I was just like, oh, bro, I'd already lost 50 pounds at this point. And I was like, all that dieting for what, dude? So mad. Um, I didn't know what to do, right? I was like, I was like, what do I do? So I scheduled a photo shoot and I did that. And then I remember I woke up the next morning after the photo shoot. I had all this keto pizza, you know, all the things I had been craving, whatever. Um, and I had a lot of energy. You know, I actually slept good. I had a full belly for the first time in months. And, um, I was like, I'm going to go for a run. And so I just did. I just, I just went for, I went for an eight mile run or four mile run. And, uh, I was like, man, 
that felt good. I looked at my time. I did it in like 38 minutes. And I was, well, I wasn't slow. Oh, interesting. And I remember running when I was in high school a little bit to lose weight. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this again. Do it again. And I don't know. I just, just, I just got super obsessed with it. Um, and so that was like April of 2020. And then by March of 2021, I ran my first marathon. And then by December of 2021, I ran my first 50 miler. So within like, within like 12 months, I went from like marathon, I went from nothing to marathons to ultra marathons within a, I mean, around an 18 month time span. Um, and I really never looked back. It just kind of escalated from there. Oh, that's awesome, man. I think a, a lot of us have a fairly similar story as far as that. Like, I don't know, wanting to maybe get in shape or do something and then just kind of becomes like our lives, which is pretty cool. Yeah. No, no, for sure. But, for sure. Yeah. So let's jump in more into like the keto specifically, like a ketogenic diet for endurance athletes. Like what are a lot of the pros and cons? Because like I, I've been doing a lot of biking the past couple of years and obviously I run a lot too, but it's always just like carbs, 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 more carbs. And it's always interesting because everyone talks about gut rot and throwing up and having to always like have gels and whatever, otherwise they're going to bonk. So like, like, I guess let's just talk about like ketogenic for endurance athletes. Like what are your views on that? Yeah. So I think it's very nuanced. Um, I remember when I first, when I first started running, I remember I recorded a podcast with a friend of mine and I, sometimes I go back and listen to that podcast to snicker a little because I remember on it, I, I literally say, I'm going to be the first sub hour three, three sub hour or sub three hour marathon uh, on zero carbs. I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. And I said it with such confidence, but, but with a lot of, at the time, not knowing a lot of ignorance, I had a lot of ignorance. Like I didn't know I was just excited because I could run. Um, and I'd been zero carb for, I was super confident at that point. And like absolute carbs are never needed. They're never needed for optimability. They're, they're not needed whatsoever. There's always a way around. You can always avoid carbohydrates under any circumstance. I was very like focused on that as a, as a truth. And the first, and kind of understand where I'm coming from on this. I kind of explain a little bit of my evolution here. Um, and I have a whole spreadsheet with all this data. I've talked about this at presentations before. Um, when I first started running on a ketogenic diet, everything was fine. I was getting faster. My my zone two, my uh, aerobic threshold was getting higher. Like I was, I was progressing. And then probably about three or four months into running, all of a sudden I stopped progressing. Um, my heart rate started to get high both in training and at rest. Um, and then it escalated from there where I started to have super high blood sugar. Like I usually was sitting in the sixties and seventies and now I was sitting at like the nineties and the hundreds, sometimes even like one ten were like pre-diabetic numbers, even though I was eating zero carbs, um, or, or around 20 total, um, which made no sense to me. That was absolute lunacy. That made no sense, um, based off of my experience and what I had experienced with myself and others. And so I tried a bunch of different stuff. I, I remember I took two weeks of training off. I, um, I, uh, fasted a bunch. I did like super fat keto. I tried protein keto. I tried carnivore and like nothing was, nothing was making it better. And then it went from, um, and then it went from like elevated blood sugar and elevated heart rate to injuries. I was getting injured all the time. I was constantly getting like, and my Achilles would, would pull or whatever, which at this, at this time, I didn't associate that with what was going on, but looking back and based off of like my experience thereafter, I can definitely tell the difference, the contrast, um, but I was getting injured. And then I started having like depressive mood swings. Like I would just be depressed all the time. And I started looking into it and it was this thing called, um, oh man, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, it's like overtraining, uh, uh, overtraining syndrome or some, some act or some acronym for it. And basically what it is, it's, it's like what your body's like, your body's central nervous system is like overtapped because it's not regulating well. And so you get these, like, you get like these, and you get these depressive like symptoms, you get this high inflammation, you get, you can become prone to injuries, like all this stuff. Um, and the thing is, was I tried taking two or three weeks off and coming back and it was still like, I wasn't recovering. And I was like, what is going on? And one of my friends I was talking to uh, was like, you should introduce some carbohydrates. Just try it, right? If you try it and it doesn't work, then great, great. If you if you try it and it works, then cool, you know something. And so I I decided to like try like, I tried acorn squash one, one day. 
and um, it was only like 50 carbs. It was right after a run. And then I woke up the next morning and my blood sugar was in the 80s. Like the lowest it had been in like six months, which was just like a mind block for me. Like I didn't understand what was going on. And so I did it again and again and again. And then within a week, my heart rate started coming back down. And within two weeks, I started to improve. Uh, everything started to improve. And I, I have not had a serious injury since I started targeting carbs. Like not one. Um, obviously like I've had like little muscles ache here and there, but like nothing like what I was experiencing beforehand. Um, and, and also, uh, my blood sugar stayed in the sixties. My ketones went up, which is just bizarre. Um, <clears throat> sorry, but like, like my ketones would go up, which makes no sense, right? Because if carbs suppress fat oxidation, then why are my ketones going up? If my carbohydrates are going up, that doesn't make sense. Um, but so these are all the thoughts that are going through my head. And so I started to dive really, really deep into that. And so to kind of answer your question, I know that was a, a long, a long backstory to explain it, but the way that I look at it is like this fat adaptation. I think fat adaptation is super advantageous for endurance athletes. I think for a couple of reasons, I think one, having a high aerobic threshold. And when I say aerobic threshold for those listening, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about the threshold at which your body is predominantly burning mostly fat. And it, once it goes over this threshold, it starts to tap into more glycogen and, and glucose for energy, right? So when you're fat adapted, your aerobic threshold goes higher. You get more efficient at oxidizing fatty acids. We know this because of the faster studies that Quitter was in that. He talks about how he was upregulated. He was like doing like, he was metabolizing like 1.6 grams per like minute, which is just obnoxious, like an obnoxious amount of fat. Um, right. So you get more efficient at oxidizing fat. And so therefore your aerobic threshold goes higher, right? That's an advent. That's an, there's an advantage. Another advantage is your body gets super efficient at um utilizing pruvic acid to create more glucose so and what people don't know is that pruvic acid is the um precursor to lactic acid and so your lactic acid threshold as a fat adapted athlete is also much higher so you can tolerate more burn you can tolerate uh longer without food um, so a fat adapted ketogenic athlete, the, the, the pros to a ketogenic diet as an endurance athlete is you're more fat adapted. You have less lactic acid issues. Um, and overall you have less burnout, right? And you're able to go longer. You, you, in, you have to ingest less food. So your chances of gut rot go way down. You tend to, if you do it right, you tend to adopt a more whole food approach. And so you eat much cleaner things, which also leads to less gut issues. Um, you tend to be drinking electrolytes more often because it's just habit. And so you tend to be more hydrated. Um, there's just a lot of reasons why a ketogenic diet is better as a foundation for an athlete. The con though, is that if you are trying to be competitive, if you're trying to compress uh, or, or sorry, progress at a competitive rate, just lean, letting your body create the glycogen replenishment that you need from training and racing is not enough and you will blow a gasket. And so it's super important to know the amount of carbs that you need to supplement right here. Supplement, not like your main force of, source of fuel, but the amount of carbs you need to supplement throughout your training week and throughout your race plan to make sure that you're keeping your, your glycogen stores where they need to be so that you don't bottom out and you don't cause a lot of stress long term. And a lot of ketogenic low carb athletes don't know that because it's always for, for a lot of people in that space and well, in the space that I'm in. It's, it's, it has to be black and white. Like it's either carbs are bad or carbs are good. And I don't think that's the conversation we should be having. I don't think that's appropriate. I think it's more of what kind of carbs are good, what kind of carbs are bad. And then the second question needs to be how many do you need to be at your best and to get better? Um, and I think that that's nuanced for everybody. Uh, my first marathon coach is a low carb endurance coach. And she told it to me like this. She said, if you want to run slow for a really long time, you don't need carbs at all. If you want to get on a podium, now we have to start having a different conversation, right? So like a lot of people come to me that don't necessarily want to get first place, but they're like, Hey, I want to shave two hours off my Ironman or two hours off of my 50 miler. And it, and they're like, but I want to do it zero carb. And I'm like, well, that's quite the jump. You're talking like two minutes per mile and you want to do that in the next 12 months. You're going to have to do some intense training regimens and not all the time, but if you don't ever replenish glycogen at all through exogenous sources, meaning dietary carbohydrates, your body is going to be trying to replenish that all itself. And then you tap, you, 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 t you put um, resistance training on top of that and you can create more of a negative environment. And so it's just figuring out 
Do you need them? So first of all, what are your goals? And then your goals will give you a better idea if you need them. And if you need them, how many and what kinds? Um, so I think that's the pro to keto, or the con to keto, a ketogenic diet as an endurance athlete is you have to like work through that nuance if you really want to come at it from, from the best possible place. That's a really good point. I think it's easier for, or easiest for people just to be like, okay, black and white, like either zero carb or high carb. But in reality, it's like, there's like, you're saying there's nuance there. It's like, everybody's so different. Like, just because like somebody wants to drop, say they're way obese, want to drop 200 pounds. Yeah, it's great. And maybe like zero carb or 20 grams of carbs a day is great. But like, if I don't know, somebody is 150 pounds, they want to like PR their marathon or their Ironman. Like, it doesn't really make any sense to, like you're saying, to go zero carb or 20 grams a day, like a typical ketogenic diet. Like there's so many differences for an athlete versus like a sedentary person, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And also like the, the people too, right? So like, for example, it also depends on the distance. Like, for example, um, when I'm running a marathon, I only need like 15 to 20 grams of carbs per hour. So like if I'm running, let's say I'm training for like a sub three hour marathon, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, I might ingest only 60 to 75 grams of carbs for those two hours and 55 minutes. Very little compared to a high carb athlete that's probably ingesting 30 carbs every four miles. And so they're probably doing like 300, you know, almost triple what I'll be doing, maybe even more. Um, whereas with my 50 miler, I ate almost 300 grams of carbs, right? Uh, even though it was only double the distance. Well, the, the difference is, is that your glycogen, you start to, as your body gets more stressed, you start to tap into glycogen a little bit more as the duration lingers. And so you have to up the carbs per hour just a little bit, not anything crazy, but a little bit. Um, and so I think also distance changes things. Um, if you're cross training, which you should be, uh, that changes things. Um, if you're doing three different kinds, like if you're doing an Ironman versus just running, that changes things. Gender changes things because now we have to take into account, you know, if a, a female endurance athlete, the way that we need to target carbs for her to help sure that we're taking into account the stress of her cycle with her training is very different than a man needing just carbs for his training. So I think there, there's a lot of variants that are variables that come into play when it comes to like what works best for everybody. But I think, but I don't think that nuance should, should deter somebody from seeing that a foundational fat-based diet is king. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And it's interesting, like I, as I get more into like cycling and like gravel bike racing and stuff, um, there's a, like right now he's the top of the game. His name's Keegan Swenson. He's just a gravel biker, Utah and Tucson guy. But, um, he was on a podcast talking about diet and he was saying that like, he does like a hundred, 120 grams of carbs an hour, um, while racing and he gets some sort of like gut issues towards the end generally. But then what I thought was interesting is like on his days that are like lower intensity, say like just during a training week, he cuts back on, cuts back on his carbs quite a bit, which was I think it surprised the host quite a bit because they're always just like carbs, carbs, carbs. But he's like, yeah, like carbs are important. But like if I'm not doing as much like intensity that day, I cut them way back. And I just thought that was really interesting that he would acknowledge that, that it's not just high carb all the time, that you need a balance. And it is situationally dependent on what you're doing and when you're doing that. Yeah. And I think also because when we think about the endurance community, while there are people that like to be competitive, some people are just there for the fun of it. You know, like I remember the first, mm -hmm marathon ever signed up for i remember vividly um you know sitting in line to get my to get my uh my bib and i was i was talking listening to these ladies behind me talk about how they were so excited to go eat sandwiches afterwards and like for them while the run is fun because it's like a camaraderie thing and they love running together like they just I mean, they said it, right? So I can just say this, like they wanted the excuse to just go splurge for lunch, right? So, so some people like, like to, like to run and like to be part of this community literally for food. It's like a food thing for them. Like they get to enjoy more food, um, <clears throat> which I don't necessarily think is the best reason to, to be an endurance runner. Uh, but I mean, that's just the reality. And, and so, yeah, I think, I think, you know, someone that is at the top of the game saying, Hey, like, nutrition matters and like you shouldn't just be like chucking back like you know uh jelly beans uh, it's it's not the best <laughs> approach um but yeah i definitely i, I like hearing that he cycles that's really good and in any in any of the uh it's funny if you go to any other sport in the keto low carb space uh, bodybuilding crossfit rugby whatever 
you can find zero carb athletes, carb people that eat 10 or less grams of carbs every day they have for the last half decade to a decade. You can find it almost anywhere. The only sport where nobody at the top of the game that's low carb eats zero carbs is endurance sports. Every one of them, Zach Better, Mike McKnight, uh, you know, I get, uh, 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 um, uh, oh, what's your name? No. Uh, where is it? Dietitian Delilah. Ah, Michelle Hearn. Sorry, Michelle Hearn. Yeah, hey, Michelle. Um, you know, just to name a few in the keto low carb space, none of them eat zero carbs. None of them promote zero carbs because in this space, if you want to be at the top, it's just not a thing, which I, which, which I think is, is weird because the average person, and that's why it's not really talked about a lot. And like, I think in the low carb and keto space in general, because like the average low carb keto person is just trying to be metabolically healthy and get rid of type two diabetes. Like they don't care about a low carb person needing some carbs, let alone the idea of someone needing their own 50 miles or cycle a hundred a week. Right. I don't care. Like, um, so I think it's a very niche place actually to have this conversation. Yeah. It's interesting how like, and it kind of comes back to like people just try, try to like put everybody in a box. It's like you're zero carb or you're high carb or whatever. But in reality, like with endurance sports anyways, there's a lot of differences and nuance there. And like even people like Jeff Browning, where he eats a fairly low carb diet, like he's all about the strategic use of carbohydrates. So like, yeah, if you're going on an easy run, yeah, you don't need to like fuel up with sugar the entire time. But if you are racing, yeah, take in carbs. Or if you're going to like say do an interval session or whatever session, take in carbohydrates beforehand because that'll maximize like your time out there. But then, like, yeah, recover with the high fat, high protein, and a little bit of carbohydrates as well, because that's all data back. Yeah. So, for like example, I have this uh, three month. Uh, I'm about to get into like the heat of my marathon training. Right about uh, it was like a three month training block. I'm about to go into like the last eight weeks, so like things are really going to rev up, and it's also World Carnivore Month. And so, the way that I play it out is like this. So, if I have a day where I'm just doing a run that takes me less than sixty minutes, um. So, so six miles, seven miles, whatever, um, I'm going to do zero carbs. I have no reason to ingest carbs at that point. If I have a day where I'm doing a heavy body load plus a run of any kind, I will ingest 50 to 75 carbs in the form of like with being carnivore, probably honey, which is going to get annoying quick, but that's just what we're going to do. So we can stay within the rules. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so that like, so for example, if I do like upper body in a run, I won't. But like if I do like legs and I do heavy squats plus a run, then I'll do the 50 to 75. If I have a day where I um, do training plus a speed run, so like fart licks, yassos, tempo, whatever, that will get 100 grams of carbs. And then if I have on my long run days, um, I will do 150 carbs. Um, so like, so like there, so it swings a lot. Like it depends on like what I'm, what kind of weightlifting I'm doing that day what kind of runs happening that day um, will dictate how many carbs I intake. Because the thing is, and this is super important to understand, especially like when you're really trying to tighten it up for like training blocks, like the carbs that you're eating as a low carb ketogenic athlete are only supplemental, right? Like it's not the main, like, for example, if I burn 5,000 calories in a day and I eat a hundred grams of carbs, um, you know, that's 400 calories. Like that's such a minute amount of the food or the, the, my dietary needs. Like, all it's doing is replenishing the glycogen that my body was going to try to do anyway so it doesn't have to stress out and leach cortisol over that. And then also suppress the cortisol that rose from the actual exercise itself. That's all it's doing. It's just supplementing so that my body doesn't have to feel like it's working overtime to help my body recover for the next bout of exercise. Like That's literally all it's doing. And I think understanding that and looking at it from a place of like supplementation and not necessarily primary nutrition can help uh low carb athletes kind of wrap their mind around the idea yeah, that makes a lot of sense and i i like honey personally i think it's great but like apart from honey what's another like, carbohydrate source that that you would promote and or use because like oh man i don't i like yeah go ahead so some of these are controversial dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> uh all right so so i have I, I i don't remember the exact number i'll just i know exactly what i eat so i eat a couple carbohydrates so um, honey, honey's one, uh, maple syrup is another, um, and then, uh, blueberries, mango, apple. I, um, I'd eat strawberries, but I don't really count them as a carb cause they're just not carb dense food. Like 
for me to like for me to get 50 grams worth of carbs of strawberries i'd have to eat an entire like five pound bag of frozen strawberries it's like ridiculous <laughs> um yeah. so 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 honey maple syrup blueberries mangoes apples um white rice and then uh the real controversial one that i love is oatmeal um so those are like my what one two three four five six seven yeah my seven sources so like those are the seven sources race day um I see. Yeah, I have sweet potato too. I can't forget the sweet potato. That's important. Uh, and then race day, I typically tend to stick with maple syrup and sweet potato chips. So like my entire race day formula is is literally built around like maple syrup and sweet potato chips for crunch and saltiness, and then maple syrup for quick, easy, just swallow. You know, you you do like a huge mouthful of maple syrup, and you've just down thirty carbs. You're done. You just move on. You don't have to like eat a bunch of candy or like whatever. It's just like it's quick move on um so those are like my two race day ones but that, those are typically ones i approve of now now i want to preface though especially when it comes to the fruit i'm really big like if you are going like if you're going to spend a, if you're going to spend extra money anywhere in the grocery store all my fruit is organic that's a really important point um i'm really big on that as like organic fruit and then my white rice and my oatmeal are always always and i and i and i only buy from i only buy from companies that i know do this it has to be organic, non-GMO, and it has to be glyphosate residual free. Those are like the three big things, um, or I won't eat it. So I definitely have rules around those. But like, if I can find clean versions, those are definitely things that that my body. And also, this is also a lot of testing, right? Like, I've tried like you know, I've eaten pineapple, and like I didn't like the way it made my head feel, or like you know, I um, whatever. Uh, so like the 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 foods that I eat, I eat because I know my body absorbs them well. I know that I don't have digestive issues from them. Um, and my body just responds well to them. Hey, what are your thoughts about like raw dairy? So for example, raw milk has some carbs in it. Like, are you, are you pro or, or against uh, raw dairy? No, no, I love raw dairy. I, um, I, I, I guess I don't consider raw milk a carb. Like when I drink raw dairy, like, yeah, it has carbs in it, but it's not like a, cause it has a lot of fat too. It's like, it's like, it's mostly fat. Like raw dairy is mostly fat. Like raw milk is mostly fat. Um, like I think in terms of macro ratio, it's like 50 or 60% fat and then it's got like 25% carbohydrate. So like when I think about carbs, I think of like, I think of like something that's like almost purely carbohydrates. Um, mm -hmm. so I would, I'm fine with raw dairy. I, I love raw milk. In fact, when I was in, I haven't found something around here yet, but I was around Texas, when I was in Texas, me and my daughter would go every two weeks to this Victoria market and we would go pick up gallons of raw milk. We'd come home and We'd have raw milk. We'd make raw cheese. We'd make raw butter. Um, you know, I love raw dairy. I know, and I know Mike. Mike, we were talking about earlier before we started recording. He, uh, he's a he's a raw dairy king, man. They're going to sponsor him one day. <laughs> he drinks so much of it. Um, now, in terms of like, in terms of like how good it is for performance, I don't know. Just because raw dairy, while I think there's so many benefits to raw dairy. In terms of the carbohydrate content, uh, lactose, I don't know how well lactose converts into glycogen or glucose to be readily available for your body versus like glucose or fructose or, or you know, um, um, the, the other forms of carbohydrate. So um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't looked that deep into it. And plus, like, I don't like the idea of eating dairy while I, because like, I don't. You know, when you're hot, you're like mile 50. I just think, like, I remember yeah. there's a, there a photo of, like, him, of Mike drinking, like, drinking raw dairy at, like, mile, like, 180. And I'm just thinking, like, how can you do that in 100 degree weather? Like, I just could have, I just imagine it curdling <laughs> in my stomach and, like, making me. <laughs> so, like, the idea of, like, drinking, like, the, the idea of eating any dairy at all during a race to me just doesn't compute. But So, it's not, I don't think it's my cup of, cup of tea for race day nutrition. But. If it works for you, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I'm definitely more of like post run type thing or with breakfast or something. But yeah, I think it's totally. Uh, I've never actually. Yeah, like I think it's a great, great food. But I guess like apart from like whole food sources, though, like um, what about things like that are more like hyper processed things, like say Quest bars or chips? Because I was at the grocery store the other day and just out of curiosity, I was looking at the chips, and they had those Quest chips, and like one of the main ingredients was like seed oils or something. So it's like obviously like not like a, a real food, quote unquote, but like what are your thoughts on like those things? Like are they a, a tool maybe for like certain people getting into keto or are they like an actual food? 
Um, no, so so it's a it's a good question. So like when it comes to Whole Foods, I don't think they're a Whole Food at all. Um, I do think that, and this is something I've had to really wrestle with because I remember when I first got into like the whole Whole Food space, I was very like gun ho, like only eat Whole Foods. And working with people for so long, I definitely see that. I think we have to we do have to consider this idea that. Yes, we don't eat like our ancestors. We should eat way more like our ancestors. We also don't live in an environment like our ancestors, right? Things happen much faster now. There's times where like we don't have convenience or we need to create convenience um, with certain nutrition goals or health goals. And I think, and we also need to give ourselves grace when we're in a bind or we're on the run and, you know, you get a situation where, you know, there's either a bag of Quest chips or there's, you know, a Kentucky fried chicken. And you're like, all right, which one do I eat here? And it's like, well, eat the, eat the Quest chips, right? Because like, at least you're going to get an animal-based protein source. You're going to get minimal uh, seed oils versus, you know, something breaded and refined flour, literally soaked in deep fried seed oil, right? So like the, 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 the content ratios are very different. Um, and I think, I just think that, we have to be mindful of where people are at in stages and also like time. And of course, you know, a carnivore person might say, well, just carry a steak in your pocket. Why don't you have a baggie with a steak? That's what I do. And it's like, well, not everybody, one, not everybody thinks to do that. And two, like not everybody wants a cold sirloin in their back pocket, you know, Uh, (laughs) which if you do like, that's fine. If if that's what you want to do, but just some people don't want to do that. So I guess my answer is, um, I don't think they're a whole food. But I definitely have seen times in my life and times of my clients and my families where they can be convenient, you know, like, um, now I will be the first to say that, like, I know that if they're in my house, I struggle with them. Like if, like, if I, like, let's say like my wife buys like, like Christmas, my mother-in-law being the sweet woman that she is, knows that me and my wife don't eat sugar. So she doesn't put, you know, Hershey bars and, you know, um, um, Skittles in our stocking. We get Quest chips and Quest cookies. Like that's her way. That's why her way of saying she loves us is like, hey, I went out of my like. So you know, there's like five bags of my favorite flavors of Quest chips in the pantry. Now they they're not in the pantry anymore. Why? Because they are in my stomach, right? Like I ate them. <laughs> like, um, right? It, it just it happened. Uh, now there's now should you do that all the time? Absolutely not. Especially if you're like you're trying to perform as an athlete. I think you should try to be at your best. And I don't think that convenient foods are going to make you at your best. Well, I'm excited for the, the carnivore month because I think it's going to be a good a good reset for my palate. But um, I think there are times where they can be beneficial, right? Like if you're if you're someone that that wakes up and like you just have a really busy job, and so you wake up and um, you know you uh, you you do your run or your bike or session or whatever, and then you have to drive straight to the office and just like let's say there's one day one day where you just don't have time like you thought you did, and you're running late and you're starving. And you go in the office and Larry brought donuts, but you have a Quest chip or a Quest or a Quest bar in your drawer. And that's 20 grams of protein and something that, you know, is relatively low glycemic impact. It's got a decent amount of some fiber in it if, you know, that you know doesn't irritate your gut. And you got 20 good grams of quality animal-based protein. Then bravo. Like, I'd rather you eat that instead of you just saying, well, if, because here's, here's the problem. When we go, oh, that's not a good food either. Well, then, then what ends up happening is someone that's here, like, let's say they go through someone's Instagram post and they see like Quest bars are no better than, than, you know, than eating a Hershey's bar. Well, then that person that's addicted to Hershey bars is going to say, oh, well, then I might as well eat a Hershey bar if they're, if it's no better. And then they miss out on protein. They miss out on, um, using new habits to get rid of old habits that were making them sick. And they end up eating the bad food because why not? Right. So I think that it's, it's, I think it's an in-between food. I think it's a good, I think it's a decent convenience food when you need it. I don't think it should be a foundational staple in your diet. Um, but I definitely see a nuance when it can be beneficial depending on the person and what's going on. Exactly. That's exactly how I look at it too. Is like, it's like, what's the the quote? It's like perfection is the enemy of good where it's yeah. like, yeah. Because like all these people online will be like, oh, you should only eat like raw, organic, grass fed, grass finished, all these things. But it's like, yeah, that's not attainable for most people. And like, 
making that leap from like say McDonald's to grass fed, grass finished beef only cooked at home without seed oils and just all whole foods is a huge jump. So like using say a quest bar is like kind of like intermediary is it's a tool to get towards a higher level. But it, like you're saying, it's not, it shouldn't be a foundational in your diet because it is not the best food, but it can help you get there. Kind of like, I guess like my opinion, like diet Coke, like one, I, I've never drank anything is disgusting, but if that gets you away from eating sugar and then from there you go to just, just water, I think that's a good tool to use, but it should definitely not be like a normal part of your diet. Maybe after the initial phase of using it to get away from like quote unquote normal soda. Yeah. So I, so I, it's funny to figure out diet Coke. I have a client that <laughs> when I started working with them, they drink it. Whole, I, I hate the taste of diet Coke, but um, yeah, me too. they have like this hellacious uh, diet Coke, at, uh, you know, fixation. And we've gotten them down to like one can a day. And I just got them off. I made them swap that one can for kombucha. And like, um, and that, that was like, that was like a six month process. And I, I'm telling like, I was like, when they were only drinking one Coke a day, I was like, I'm so proud of you. You've let go of like four cans a day. Like, that's amazing. And the problem is they might go on a forum and go my one Coke a day. And they're proud of themselves. And some, you know, Carnitard gets in the comments and is like, uh, you shouldn't be drinking that at all. And it's like, dude, you have no idea how much she's fought to like get to this point. Like you have no right to like just step in and think that you can just tell her like where she's at in life. Cause like, you don't know, you just don't know that you don't know everybody's story. And and I like that you said that about it is, it is a huge leap for some people. And I think too, like some people are super sensitive and they're already very overwhelmed with the adjustments they're already trying to make. Like I've seen people that like they like literally they are try they're, they're having such a hard time just, not eating candy bars and they just are trying to eat meat. And so they go to the store and they're trying to afford it and they're trying to make it affordable for their family. And so they go buy the really cheap tube meat and, um, you know, and they get home and they're so proud. They made a low carb meal and they decide to take photos of the whole process and the whole process. And so some of the photos have the log of meat in there and they're already overwhelmed trying to make this, but they're good, but they're committed to it. And they just want some encouragement and they make a post on Instagram and then they get smashed because they're eating grain fed beef. And that literally makes them completely give up. Like they're like this, I can't do anything right. I'm, even when like, like, like they don't realize people that comment stuff like that sometimes don't realize that they're the reason that someone quit. And, and it's just cause you pushed them over. You just pushed it too far and you couldn't just give them encouragement for where they're at and what they've overcome already. Um, and so I really like that you said that. Cause I think, I think that's a, it's a, it's a level of empathy I think we lack in this space, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it is, I don't know, I guess I kind of used to be that way. Where I'm like, I got to eat like only the best of everything. And like, yeah, in an ideal world, I think that would be great. Like, obviously avoiding all these like chemicals and whatever junk that is being put in our food. But like at the same time, though, it's like somebody eating like the tube ground beef from Walmart is like they're making that proper step or the right step in the, or the step in the right direction versus is eating McDonald's or eating like Fruit Loops for breakfast or something. Like buying like the cheapest eggs is way better for you than eating Pop Tarts and and whatever soda for breakfast. And and we should celebrate people for that because they're they're taking those steps. And we've all been through that too, right? Like I don't know, like I, I'm not perfect with anything and I'm always like trying to progress. And I think everybody's in a different phase of life and we should support other people that are trying to improve their health. And if that just means them like maybe starting with like, hey, I just I don't know, had a better breakfast today and my lunch and dinner is still crap, but that's still progress. It's a step in the right direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think too, like, I think also like we should like live a little, like, you know, do I wish sometimes deep down that an EMP attack would happen and we would all have to become cavemen? And like, I was forced to just eat like <laughs> deer and, and raw deer heart. And that's not like the only diet I had because I had access to nothing else. Sure. Yeah. I feel like I've become a superhuman. I'm, I'm down. But the reality is, is that that's not the world we live in. We live in a world where food science has gotten to a point where when we want a particular kind of product made that's convenient within like the parameters of what we consider at least decent, a decent choice in a bind, they can curate that and they create things like quest bars. And, and, and like, so like I tell people, like I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you're on vacation and like you decide to like have a quest bar because you know, someone's going to be eating fudge later and you want to like, you want something sweet and you want a treat. Not only do I think that's good. I, 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 I'll, I, I'd encourage you to do it. I'd be like, enjoy it. Like live a little, like 
yeah, enjoy your cookie. Have you had the cookies and cream crust bar? My God, they're delicious. Like, I don't know how they do it. Like, enjoy it, right? Because like if 99% of the time or 90%, I have a 90-10 rule. So 90% of the time, if you are on point, the other 10% of the time, if you want to eat what you want to eat, eat what you want to eat. I promise you that 10% is not going to, unless you have some kind of very serious autoimmune condition, that 10% is not going to derail you at all. Like, so like that's the world I live by. And it just so happens that everybody's 10% is different. Like 90% of the time I'm like beef, raw liver, and like the seven food choices that I, I, I shared with you in terms of my carb choices. Um, and then the other 10% of the time, you know, um, I'll have a bag of Quest chips or whatever, right? And the, the, those are my cheats. Like, like, uh, like when I go to the movies, I don't go to the movies often. I think I went to the movies once last year. When I go to the movies, it's it's tradition. I get the biggest Coke Zero I possibly can. Like, big, fat glass of, yeah, not Diet Coke, but Coke Zero. It's different, okay? It's different. Don't compare them. <laughs> um, I do, and I enjoy it because it's like my one Coke Zero the entire year or maybe once in two years. And it's like, this is the worst thing I do is I have a Coke zero once every, like, this is like, this is like so minimal compared to the rest of my life and the, and the level and the, and the, and the strides I take to be the best version of myself. Like you can have those little moments. It's just when those little moments become consistent and daily habits, that's when you run into problems. So I think it's about like, Analyzing your day-to-day, making sure that you're consistently making good choices and then living when you get the opportunity and giving yourself grace and, and enjoying the process. Yeah, definitely. I think we a lot of times like stress out too much about things like, oh, well, there's too many carbs in this or there's a gram of sugar in this. And it's like, in reality, that gram of sugar is probably not going to impact you as much as you stressing out about the gram of sugar. <laughs> I so it's kind of like, yeah. let's just chill out a little bit, guys. Like, it's, it's okay. <laughs> Like I remember we bought a bag of pork rinds from the corner store and they mm-hmm. were delicious and no one, no one thought to check the ingredient list. And so we're just eating them, eating them. And then I, I look at the nutrition label, it says one carb. Cause you know, even in pork rinds that are seasoned, they, they put very little like seasoning in them. And, uh, and I, and I read the nutrition and I see at the very bottom brown sugar and I'm like, Oh, and then like, and I'm like, and of course I read it. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's fine. It's like, whatever. Like, they're already, I've already chewed them. They're already on my stomach. Um, I'm not a bulimic anymore. I'm not about to go. It's fine. Like it's, it's whatever. I'm moving on. Uh, and my father, my father-in-law saw it and was like, bro, really? And he got so mad. And I'm like, dude, dude, I promise you, what you're, the, the way you're about to react is way worse for your hormones than the less than one gram per serving of brown sugar you just ate. Just let it go. It is what it is. Move on. Relax. You're going to make it, you're going to make it worse for yourself. <laughs> exactly like that's kind of how i feel with like like say like run nutrition or like biking nutrition or something it's like like i don't know like i'll, I'll eat gels and drink mix while i'm out running and riding depending on what i'm doing and i've had people comment like oh you say you're like low carb or animal based i'm like yeah like i am but in those situations like it makes sense to use that i'm not going to stress out about like oh, i took a gel with 30 grams of carbs in it or i drank drink mix this entire time because like yeah like I'm out there doing something and like for that moment, that's the ideal thing for me. And yeah, I, I you know, you'd be proud of me. I, uh, the first 50 mile I ever ran, I got done and I was, and like I said, I was super dehydrated and one of my friends bought me a Gatorade in a cup and I smacked it out of their hand. I'm like dead, right? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like dying and they, I'm like, whack. And I'm like, get that diabetes away from me. And they all looked at me like I was an idiot. They're like diabetes, dude, you just ran for nine hours straight, like drink the gate, like, and then now, and then it just, it was funny. Cause like my last 50, I was in third place. And so I was really trying to push it. And like, they had Huma electrolytes, which I think have, has some sugar in it, like in the form of glucose or something. And I didn't care, dude. I got on my knees underneath the bucket and I'm just, oh, you know, I'm just like chugging it. Oh my God, like, we got to go, dude. Um, but yeah, so I definitely get that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So just thinking about like, like fueling then, like, I think everyone has different ideas and like you were saying you do do carbs and stuff before specific workouts and stuff and myself as well and like whatever when you're racing you do but like what kind of things are you using for fueling like i know you kind of went through a list of some carbohydrate sources but do you ever do like like say a like caffeine or any sort of supplements yeah so i have two supplements so i so i actually only use my supplements uh so this is going to be okay. a little bit of a plug here um so I have two, I have my energized reds and I, so I drink, so I drink the, this is energized reds. So I, I formulated this literally 
four runs because I was taking another company's reds and I noticed that um, after about three days of taking it consecutively, I stopped being as sore after my workouts. And so I was like, oh my gosh, there's something to this. But I'm a practitioner and so I'm like, I'm reading the ingredients and I'm like, well, there's so much in here that's not needed and I would love to have more of this, this and this. And I'm like, why don't I just make my own? And so I started formulating my own and this is what came out of that. Um, this is this is available for purchase. Anybody can can buy this. Um, it's got 500 milligrams of sodium. Um, we're actually we're actually reformulating it. So these will the the first iteration is delicious, but it will be going away at some point. Um, but yeah, energized reds, um, and it's got about 35 milligrams of caffeine in it. Uh, but it's it's just basically an anti it's an antioxidant hydration powerhouse um, with uh, with a little bit of caffeine. So that's that. And then um, I drink that every morning. And then before every workout, I drink this, a scoop of this, which is our pre-workout. It's a non-stem pre-workout called True Endurance. Uh, it uses alpha GPC, lion's mane, and ketones as uh, the energy sources. Um, zero caffeine. And it has Pico2, beet extract, and um, L-sutraline for uh, pump, for pumping cardiovascular health and blood flow. So I'll drink the reds every morning. I'll drink this before every workout. Um, And then on race day, I'll drink two, I'll drink a scoop of each every 10 miles. So like, well, like my last race I had, um, I met up with my, with my crew at every, every 15, 12 or 13 miles or so. And every time I showed up, they had another water bladder with a scoop of each in or two scoops of each in it. And they would shake it up, put it in my bag and then send me on my way. And so like, I drink like, Kind of like my last race that I placed in, um, I think I drank like eight scoops of each for the whole thing. Um, so uh, yeah, those are the only supplements I take though in terms of supplements. Do you not do like coffee, like bulletproof coffee or anything like that? Huh? You do coffee? Yes, I do drink coffee. Yeah, but I usually drink decaf. I don't really like caffeine. Do I have ADHD? Caffeine doesn't like do it for me. <laughs> No, that makes sense. Like I've definitely been trying to cut back in my caffeine usage as well, partly because it's like a vasoconstrictor, right? Where like it, I don't know, I have cramping issues sometimes. So it's, I just try to like stay away from it, but I'm oh, definitely not against it by any means. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, man. If you want, I can send you a bottle of the pre-workout. You can try it. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be interesting. Yeah, man. I got you. Um, yeah, that'd be sweet. Um, I was thinking about like, like just, I don't know, training and stuff as well. Like you said, you have your marathon coming up and you've been doing ultras and things like are you still doing a lot of strength training? Oh yeah. Yeah. So like something that I really pride myself on is I'm a big runner. <laughs> like I know I'm a really big runner. Um, what, what I weigh, like I weigh like 190 right now. And like when I'm like okay. marathon w- race weight, um, I'll probably get down to like 182, 181 is like peak race weight. Um, and then I'll get back up to like 188, 190, 195 for like the off season. And then I'll slowly, you know, I just go back and forth, but, um, because I, I had a bodybuilding background beforehand. So I built a really like decent natural frame. Um, and then, so when I started running, I just kept lifting heavy things and the muscle really never went away. And so, uh, yeah, I definitely, I'm a big believer in, in weight training. I think, I think especially the longer the distance, the more advantageous having more muscle is from a, from a bone density perspective, from a muscle endurance perspective. Uh, from a ligament and joint strength perspective, um, I just think it's better all around to have, especially in your lower body, just having, I don't know about, people could argue upper body, like, is the upper body really necessary? Maybe for like, you know, your poles and stuff, if you get really into like really long, like like runs, like 200 milers, maybe, maybe having really good like arms would be good for that um, and a good core. But, you know, I just like having an upper body for vanity reasons. I just think I like having my chest. I worked really hard on it. I don't want to get rid of it. Um, but in terms of like from the hips down, I think it's super advantageous to have as much muscle as you possibly can have without negating your uh, your speed. Yeah, I I agree with that too. I think I look at it as more of like a durability perspective of like when we're doing this longer, especially mountain races and stuff, like your body will break down and it's so dynamic compared to road running. Where like with road running, you can be like super thin, like Kipchoge, for example, is just like real thin, but he's fast because like he's just doing something very like monotonous and straightforward. But like running something like say UTMB, where you're up in the mountains, up and down, like the terrain is so variable. I think it can only help. Like it's going to increase strength and just durability all around, and you're going to have a better race because of it. 
Oh yeah, for sure. And and it never fails, man. I will go to a race and you know, I'll be in the I'll be in the start line and all these little dudes are sizing me up, you know, cuz I'm a big guy. And then like mile 40, I'm 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 dusting them. <laughs> like they just their bodies start to get really worn. Um and I, I think I, I definitely think that there's something to that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I definitely would encourage any runner. Like, and now I will say, I think I think we have to talk about pros and cons. One of the cons, though, is that you have to make sure that your your weight training is secondary. Meaning, like, like if you have to choose between your 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 endurance training and your strength training on the day, like which one comes first? Your endurance training should come first. Like that that should be priority. It's better that your 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 strength training suffers than your endurance training suffering, right? Um, so, like, big thing for me is like like three days. Like, I only I only lift weights three days a week, especially when I'm in the when I'm actually running in the race season. My off season, I might up it to five and and be a little bit more intentional with it. But like during the race season, like it's three times a week. I try to keep it to full body style workouts with like a compound lift for each. So like, I'll do a full body on like day one and like back squats and then i'll do full body on day two and i'll do bench press i'll do full body on day three and do shoulder press so like full bodies with like one compound movement just to keep my bone density up um but it doesn't and like like if i have to choose between like i've been sick the past two weeks and there's been numerous days where like i know my body can only handle one or the other and the strength training is just going to take a back seat um because what can happen is you can overstress by train strength training and running too much and then, because I've tried, like, I've tried to build muscle while running and I did, but, uh, but my running sucked. It suffered. Like I didn't get any faster. Um, it was definitely noticeable that my body was prioritizing recovering for the weight training over the running for sure. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I think the whole like specificity in training is important. Like the cross training can be important, but it shouldn't be your main focus. Like if you want to be a, a great runner, you got to run a lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Let's wrap it up here because we're kind of getting to the time. We got stuff going on. Um, just once again, like where can people find you? And yeah, you want to go from there? Yeah, man, for sure. So if you want to find me, uh, the Instagram, the Keto Road, uh, Facebook, the Keto Road, the Keto Road at gmail.com or the Keto Road.com. If you have any questions about the supplements, just email me or contact me there and I'll put you, point you in the right direction. Cool, man. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate the time and it was fun chatting. Yeah, man. I enjoyed it a lot. You have a good day.